So a true gentleman has a generous heart. Why do we have to be generous with our money? Is generosity with time enough? And if so, how much time? And what about generosity with having children? There's a lot to unpack, but we're gonna go into all of these things and more in our episode today. So before we start our episode, we'd like to start with the handshake. And the handshake today is magnanimity. Say that 10 times fast. But practice magnanimity is really important. What is magnanimity? Magnanimity is greatness of spirit. It is not treating others with meanness or pettiness. It is viewing others rightly with the dignity that God has given them. And it presents itself in many different ways. It can present itself when a um, waiter is uh, helping us at a restaurant and we decide to use their first name, not ignoring them. It can present itself when somebody apologizes to us and they don't really need to, say, when you're waiting in a long line at a grocery store or something along those lines and the cashier's like, I'm so sorry for that wait. Then you, it's an opportunity to be grateful, an opportunity to be generous. So in general with magnanimity, it is treating others as they deserve to be treated, not treating them as if they're beneath you because they aren't. The world really tells us that uh, what's in it for us is the only thing that matters. Our needs, our wants, our desires. I mean, how many times have you seen advertisements where they say things like, buy this product or enjoy this experience. You deserve it. That's right. And that's really the message that the world gives us is that it's all about you. It's all about your needs, your wants, um, and satisfying those above all, even sometimes at the expense of others. That's right. Exactly. The idea of giving to those that are less fortunate than us or helping those in need or giving of our time to the lady whose spare tire just popped on the side of the road are things that are, oh, that was nice, I saw that person doing it. But for us, our time is too consumed and too precious, and we can't give of ourselves in these ways. Yeah, our mentality can often be, someone else will do it. Yeah. Someone with more time, more money, whatever the case might be, they'll be the ones to help someone else. Um, And and the temptation can be to just, again, look out for number one, look out for our own needs. Um, But we're really called to be generous. Yeah. Throughout Scripture, throughout salvation history, you look at the Old Testament um, with the the Jews. Um, it was part of the law that God gave them to be generous. They were told to tithe. They're commanded to tithe. In fact, they were even commanded to mark off a part of their fields when they were cultivating grain oh, yeah. or whatever, to leave a corner of their field for the poor and the needy mm. uh, to come and be able to pick their own grain. So really, we see all throughout Scripture that we are commanded to be generous. Why? Well, because God has been generous with us. God has given us life in all things. So it only makes sense that we should give it to others in return, an imitation of God's generosity. Yeah, and I would be as bold to say that generosity is a life of purpose and a life of happiness. The generous heart of a man is one that is going to um, be smiled upon by others, is going to be appreciated by others, and then himself is going to be more united to God because, as you already said, 
God gives to us generously, always has, always will, and it's our job to give forth to others generously as well. Yeah, and when Jesus sent out his disciples two by two in the Gospels, yeah. one of the things he said to them was, freely you have received, freely give. Yeah. So there's a kind of a connection there between what we've received from God and our own acts of generosity. Yeah, agreed. So when we're breaking down generosity, I think as all things uh, that we like to do is let's see what the world presents or what what is the combat that we as gentlemen are having to face when it comes to generosity? Because um, I think right from our, our initial nature, right? From mm-hmm. our instinct. Our instinct is to possess. Our instinct uh, in many times is to uh control and to have that security, mm-hmm. you know, that we desperately want. And so we are often prone to this instinct and to holding on to this instinct. And um, that's something that we have to work against, right? That's yeah. that concupiscence. And I know that if you're not convinced, look at children. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Let's talk no, about children. No, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, that is so true. I mean, anyone with children knows yeah. the very first thing you hear a child when he learns how to talk is mine. That's right. <laughs> you know, Don't touch that. That's mine. <laughs> and they, they get in all kinds of fights about this, but it's that desire to be possessive. That's right. Uh, don't share. That's correct. If they've got... Um, a free hand, it needs to be grabbing something else, <laughs> right. right? So if there's uh, five French fries on the on the table in front mm-hmm. of them, and they can they can ho- they try and hold them all, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're looking to to grab them all for 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 a couple years, you know. Yes. And and that I- idea to uh, possess to control that that mind, you know, as fathers, I know that in this case, that's our job to, to work that out of them or order them rightly. But it is that instinct that we all have right from the beginning. Yeah. And it's, it's really part of our fallen nature in yeah. a sense, but the, the instinct is rooted in a desire for survival and self-preservation, mm. which in and of itself is not wrong. In fact, if we didn't have a survival instinct or a self-preservation instinct, we'd probably be dead, yeah. you know, before mm. long. Because, um, you know, a baby gets hungry, what do they do? They cry because they have that survival instinct that tells them, if I don't cry, I'm going to die. Right. Um, and it's the same thing for all of us, but but that very quickly can become is a desire for more than enough, yeah. more than I need to survive. I need um, radical abundance to the point where I'm ignoring the needs of others and I'm solely concerned about not only surviving, but um, just satisfying every single desire that comes into my mind or heart. Um, And that can be destructive. Yeah, exactly. That that need for security Mm -hmm. and that fear of the unknown. Yeah. You know, so if you're never taught to trust in God Mm -hmm. and you're taught to rely on him and that, you know, have faith, you have nowhere to begin with, right? So uh, society supports that because it's the only thing they know. And the idea is, is the more you stock up in your 401k, the more you stock up in your portfolio, the better off you will be. We know that we're not promised tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but 
what if tomorrow comes and we don't have? So therefore, right. that, that natural instinct sets in, and we see that a lot. And that's not to say that 401ks and good portfolios and anything like that are, are bad, but it is the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, speaking of that, um, I've noticed uh, just whenever times get difficult, um, fear kicks in in a high, in a mm. high level, People go to this to extreme. Either they turn into preppers and they're yeah. stocking their pantries and you know sticking things in you know every nook and cranny of their mm-hmm. house, or they turn to the government. You know, yeah. provide for all of my needs. Send me this. Send me that. And I don't want to get too political here, but the right. point is, what are you trusting in? You know, I've I've been in hard times financially myself yeah, in the too. past. Times when you know we didn't know how we were going to make it as a couple, as a family. We were just that close to the wire. Um, where we were kind of a hair's breadth yeah. away from disaster. And the only thing we could do was call out to God in radical dependence on God, like, Lord, you have to provide. And, of course, at that time, it was awfully stressful. Yeah. But in retrospect, that was a very purifying, clarifying time yeah. in the sense that it made us very aware that we were radically dependent on God's provision for us as a family, and that's not a bad place to no, be. No, it certainly um, isn't. And so, you know, once you've kind of been through an experience like that a yeah. few times, um, it's important not to forget that when the prosperous times come. Yeah. Um, when God does bless you or when you do receive that kind of abundance um, that you've worked for or whatever, to remember that those that all comes from God, all is a gift, and... Uh, the best gifts are the ones that are given. Um, yeah, so. yeah. I have a story that comes to mind uh, related to the world's view of generosity mm-hmm. versus uh, generosity seen in God's eyes or seen in God's way. So there was a, a close friend that was in need of a minivan. So they had... A lot of kids, beautiful Catholic family, a lot of kids, but were really in need of a minivan. Mm -hmm. And my wife was blessed to be um, working at a a large firm that uh, managed a lot of money and people who owned and had and possessed a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? So the average uh, salary somewhere like $500,000, the average mm, yearly wow. salary of, of these household incomes. And she was able to send out an email to a number of those uh, wealthy individuals yeah. just requesting for a GoFundMe right. for this family that was in need of a minivan. And when she sent that email out, it received zero return. But then when it was sent out to a Catholic network of other families in tough times and hard situations mm-hmm. with big families mm-hmm. and you know penny pinching because yeah. out of need and necessity, they all started throwing in 25 and 50 and uh-huh. $100. And so by the grace of God, the family, uh, after a couple months, was able to, to buy a minivan to to actually wow. carry their, their young family and were very appreciative of that generosity. But for my wife and I, it was very—it was a very pivotal moment when we realized that we wanted to be those people, the people mm-hmm. that even when time is tough, yeah, can find the twenty-five or the fifty dollars or the hundred dollars, whatever the case might be, to help. And 
with our means, hopefully our generosity will grow. Right. But if you never practice that, the reverse of that is true. So if greed is your way forward, mm -hmm. right, then that stops, that starts small and then begins to grow. And so these individuals that um, amassed a lot of wealth on a yearly basis couldn't find it anywhere to give at all. Yeah. You know, versus those that uh, know people like them, themselves have been in those situations, yeah. and then they were able to give generously. And, you know, I think that's, that's the world's view yeah. versus God's view. So. That's right. Yeah, and I, I remember Mother Teresa telling a story about something very similar. Mm. Um, she knew a very poor family in India that was barely surviving. They had a lot of children. I don't remember how many. Yeah. It was like eight children or something like that. Yeah. And they were barely surviving from day to day. Um, and so she finally was able to procure for them a large bag of rice. Mm. And the family was so excited. Oh, thank you so much for this, this big bag of rice. Uh, but wait, uh, I'll be right back. And the mother of the family uh, took half of that bag of rice to her neighbor, who she knew was also hungry. Yeah. Um, and so she immediately, the first thing she did when upon receiving that gift of a bag of rice was to share it with her neighbor, give. even though they were both dirt poor. Yeah. And she very easily could have uh, said, well, well, I'm taking care of my family first. Right. She shared right away. And it's that kind of generosity that we're talking about it is. where when we realize that all is a gift, then we are that much more likely uh, in gratitude, an act of gratitude to share with others. Um, and that's the, the gratitude that God um, calls us to. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus said, even a cup of cold water given in my name uh, is is worth it's worth everything. Yeah. Um, that is it doesn't have to be grand, massive gestures like That's the Pharisees, right. you know, blowing the trumpet and yeah. announcing to everyone. Um, but those little quiet gifts are worth a tremendous amount in God's eyes. That's right. And it's not strictly our fault in the affluent society because marketing is on such a high and the noise is everywhere mm -hmm. and everyone's vying for our attention right. and everybody wants something from us. Yeah. Generally, they want your money for less than virtuous reasons, yeah. but for reasons of profit, reasons of sale, yeah. or they just want your attention. Right. And when everybody is grabbing for our attention on all the social media platforms, on all the billboards, on all the radios and TV and and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of these different things, it's very easy to become closed off to the mm -hmm. world. Yeah. It's very easy to, to turn into yourself and, and that can be a place of protection, but it can also be a place of, um, of allowing ourselves to be turned off to the needs of others mm -hmm. because we just don't wanna be asked one more thing. That's true. Yeah. So, um, we're also taught to calculate, right? We're also taught to, taught to put a risk analysis on everything. Yeah. You know, in school, we do that as, as school kids. We are, uh, we are, you know, 
Um, if I'm friends with this group and not friends with this group, how will that help me? Um, if I decide to join band or decide to join choir, is that going to give me my tribe of individuals? Mm -hmm. And so we're being very, we're taught to be very selective and we grow in that and we calculate that and we're also looking for that return, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, I guess an instinct, but we're also looking for that return. And so we are um, analyzing everything and we are hoping for the best outcome. And we might not know what tomorrow will bring, so we have to store up now or make sure it's a good investment. And when some of these things come to take our, um, uh, our generosity or are looking for our generosity, it's easy to justify no, I don't think I'm going to give there, right? And I've said it before is that oftentimes with tithing to, say, church or so, we don't quite know where our money goes. Right. So it's easy to pull back and it's easy to say, well, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with our money. Mm -hmm. But we're looking at generosity wrong. We're looking at the heart of man incorrectly. Right. But these are the things that we've been raised in our affluent society that are constantly vying for our attention and we just have to be aware of. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, we talked earlier about the survival instinct that we yeah. all have. And like you said, we can often think, well, I'm pretty close to the wire as it is. I can't really spare any extra, mm -hmm. which is understandable. Right. But when we talk about asking for God's blessing, what you find is there's a, there really is, I think, a spiritual law at work that says that when you're generous, God will be generous with you. Yeah. Jesus said, you know, give and it will be given to you. You know, you know, pressed down, you know, running over. Okay. Um, and the metaphor there he's talking about is that you give a little bit, God's going to give a lot. lot more. He's going to exceed your wildest dreams. Now, the prosperity gospel preachers, you know, yeah. they'll tell you, well, just send us $50 and, you know, God will take care of you. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a self-serving. Like, we really can't, It's if we seek that uh, generosity of God as the, as the main goal, <laughs> it's not going to work. That's right. We have to truly give out of genuine generosity, yeah. regardless of the outcome. Even if God doesn't bless me, I'm still going to give. That's right. That's the attitude. That's right. And if we go into it with that kind of attitude of, regardless of whether or not God provides for me, I'm still going to give. Of course, knowing that God is going to provide. He will right. never abandon us. Um, but when God sees that kind of detached generosity regardless of what's in it for yeah. us, then he will bless us. That's right. And it might not be in the way that we're hoping for or the way that we are expecting. Mm -hmm. and, and even in those situations, it's often better than, mm -hmm. than we were hoping for or expecting. And then another thing, we're also not talking about gener generosity strictly with money and strictly with your um, you know, financial earnings and your financial givings and that which you can you know, have a tax write-off for. Yeah. We're also talking about generosity with our time, generosity yeah. with helping others, you know, and, yeah. and growing in, in friendship in many cases or just helping those less fortunate because they don't know how to change their oil, they don't know how to change a flat tire, et cetera. Can I just uh, share an example yeah. of how both generosity with time and God's blessing with money kind of came into a uh, relationship to one another. Yeah. So um, one time when I was in college, uh, an elderly lady um, 
um, reached out to my parents and said, you know, we're really lonely, like, and I, I really want to tell my story to somebody and have mm -hmm. them write it down for me. And um, so my mom said, well, you know, you know, this lady's looking for help, you know, and I said, well, I'll go talk to her and yeah. I'll write down her story or whatever she wants to say. So I went over to their house and, you know, they were just a very frail old couple. Um, and um, she kind of told me some uh, story from her childhood or something, and I wrote it down, took notes, and yeah. she was just so thankful for that. I don't know why she wanted to get it out, but the point is yeah. she, she wanted someone to pay attention to her, so I did, um, and I just kind of forgot about it. Sure. Um, and then it was uh, maybe a month or two later, um, I was in paying college tuition at the time and working to, to uh, pay for that, and uh, the, the bill for my college was come due. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like... Three hundred dollars or something. Sure. I was pretty, you know, which was a lot to me as yeah, a poor college student. I know it. <laughs> um, and so I was praying desperately, like I was at work, stressed out, but I was just praying, like God, like please, I just, I need, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. It's, it's, it's really like I, I don't have any money in the bank. I, what am I going to do? Yeah. Please provide for me, please, just in whatever way you see fit. Um, and my the place where I was working at the time had a PO box for each of the employees, so okay. I went down and checked the PO box. Um, and there was this personal card in there, and I opened it up, and the it was from the elderly lady that I went and visited, and it was a very sweet note. She said, "Thank you so much for your time. I really um, love you know love talking to you and getting to know you. Um, and here's three hundred dollars uh, just as a thank you." Wow. And it was exactly what I needed. Like I, the bill was due like the next day at school, wow. and God provided the exact amount that I needed through this elderly lady. So my act of generosity at the time that I didn't even really think about. Sure. God used that to provide for me exactly what I needed. Uh, how providential! So, yeah, that's really wonderful. And then another thing that comes to mind of what the world teaches—that's mm -hmm. in contrast to. What the church teaches is the generosity of children, mm, right? Yeah. So being generous with uh, with children, and my goodness, when it comes to having kids, you are going to be required to give of your time <laughs> and and to give of yourself. But the world is, you know, two kids, you know, and then and then we're done. Yeah. And and then you're you're in control. You've you you're still in control. You can still do um man on man defense. It's no it's, we're not turning to zone defense and <laughs> you know and and having um more individuals coming at us than than we have prepared arms to handle. But I think that we're constantly and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at here is that the world is very contrary. We have to make an active decision mm -hmm. to have multiple kids beyond two or three, for those of us, of course, who are capable. Um, but there's a there's an interesting yeah. parallel there, but I yeah. love words, yeah. and I see a relationship between the words generous and generation, mm -hmm. producing offspring. You know, generation mm -hmm. and generous in the sense of fruitfulness. Yeah. Um, love is fruitful, Amen. whether that's in acts of service to others or in bearing children, that's right. um, even when you may be uncertain about the future or how, you know, but trusting in the Lord, you know, trusting in God's provision and God's providence, taking that step of faith. That's right. And so the church has an outlook for generosity that is 
greater than what the world presents, mm -hmm. right? The church's outlook and Christ's teaching on generosity is the path to purpose and the path to happiness. And so I think it's important for us to dive in and talk uh, more about what it is that the church presents and suggests um, or directs, you know, as, as a generous life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, as we've kind of talked about throughout yeah. this episode, that our generosity is founded on the generosity of God. Generosity is reciprocity. Yeah. Uh, you receive from God, you give thanks for that gift, and then you return the gift. That is the whole action of the spiritual life. That's the action of the Mass, really. We're taking these gifts that God has given us, bread and wine, the kind of the fruit of our human labor, I guess, but they're based on the gifts of the earth that God has given to us. And we're sanctifying those, blessing those, and then returning them to God in thanksgiving. That's why That's the right. Eucharist means thanksgiving. We receive the gifts and we return them to God in thanksgiving. Um, and so there's kind of a circular motion there where we receive from God and we give back to God yeah. our thanks and praise. Um, I love the preface of the Mass, you know, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Right. Um, and that's really what the heart of the spiritual life is, yeah. is receiving those gifts of God with gratitude and then giving back. That's right. Which and, is a generous. And we were made generous out of God's generosity. Mm -hmm. And we were loved out of God's love yeah. and God's generosity. And so it's built within the very fabric of our mm -hmm. being. Yeah. And what we've been taught or what the world presents denies that um, character, that, that mm -hmm. part of our being. And so it can't possibly give us happiness. Right. It can't possibly grow in that happiness. And so I do kind of like what you were talking about and give thanks to God, right? Because I know we've talked about the association with being grateful mm -hmm. to generosity yeah. and that that is a great practice that I know I've had to work on a lot, right? So my wife by nature is more generous. I know that my mom is incredibly generous um, as a person. Um, but it's not, I've been, you know, I love seeing my bank account grow. I mm -hmm. love seeing the numbers keep on going, yep. you know, and I give, you know, I tithe, you know, kind of the minimum, you know, or, right. you know, somewhere between five and 10% so that I could feel good about myself, but not enough to hurt that growing bank account. And, but it wasn't bringing me happiness. You know, I wasn't looking at my bank account every day. I wasn't turning into Scrooge. Yeah. And so what I noticed is that the more I started practicing gratefulness, and I still practice it on a daily basis, it has not yeah. ended. But the more that I practice gratefulness, the more that you are um, just in awe at what God has blessed you with. Yeah. And gratefulness, you start seeing, um, is being grateful for things outside of money. And you're, you're grateful for things almost completely opposite to, to money and, and that which is family and that which is love and that which is friends and that which is beauty of, of you know, the, the trees and the sky and yeah, the mountains. Yeah. And so when we turn our hearts and our minds to gratefulness 
in our everyday life. Mm. And we don't focus on counting the cost. Is right. it growing my bank account? We grow in, in our being, in our essence, in generosity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, generosity, too, in the spiritual life can often be related to going beyond the bare minimum. Yeah. I mean, generosity, that's mm. true across the board. Go right. beyond the bare minimum. But, um, for example, the church asks very little of us. Right. But there are some people who, you know, are content to say, you know, I'll go to, uh, uh, I'll receive the Eucharist on Christmas and Easter. I'll just begrudgingly go to Mass the rest of the week. Yeah. I'll go to confession, you know, once or twice a year because that's the minimum. You know, um, I'll fast during Lent, I guess, but that's it. Or they're just checking the boxes of the very least that the church requires of us. And once they've done that, they're content. Yeah. But generosity says, no, I'm going to go beyond the bare minimum. Yeah. I'm going to seek ways to give back to God beyond, um, you know, Mother Teresa, like you said, yeah. about giving until it hurts. Like yeah. she talked about how the importance of giving until it hurts, uh, because in, until, until there's some discomfort there, yeah. it's hard to say that it's genuine generosity. Yeah, and Venerable Fulton Sheen also said, uh, don't, don't count how much you've given you know, by by how much you've passed along, but how much you have left. Right. And, you know, and, and we could go through church fathers of the past. Yeah. That'll make us uh, cringe by, you know, every extra pair of shoes you have, you know, St. Right. Basil and and um, every extra jacket you have. But they're, they're trying to get to this point of um, that unless we are comfortable doing without so that others can have, mm -hmm. we're always going to be attached to the things of this world. Mm -hmm. We're going to always be attached to delici delicious scotch and, and pipes and you know mm -hmm. things of this world. And so we have to remove ourselves from, from that attachment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of our, our lack of generosity, our fear of generosity is rooted in just that fear, yeah. we're just afraid that if I don't take care of myself, God won't take care mm -hmm. of me. Um, but you know, St. Paul says you know that uh, God, who is not, who did not spare His own Son for us, will He not also, with His Son, give freely give us all things? Yeah. Um, and we need to have that confidence, that faith, that trust in God. Yeah. Um, that if we act radically, He will act radically to care for us. That's right. Um, and the lives of the saints are perfect testimonies to that because sometimes they didn't know um, from minute to minute how they were going to survive. They didn't know where their food was coming from, where their shelter was. You know, I, I love, I've always admired, I, I couldn't do it, yeah. but I've always yeah. admired the uh, Capuchin Franciscans, yeah. you know, and their original, I'm not sure if they still do it or not, but their original commitment was they weren't going to keep more than like one meal on hand at any given yeah. time. Yeah. And they were just going to trust God for wherever their food would come from next. Yeah. Uh, and obviously they're still around, so That's God right. provided. He but, did. Um, but still that, that radical commitment to dependence on God. That's right. What an example. And I think a, a cornerstone of generosity is also the reminder that it's done in communion with others. Mm -hmm. So when we are generous 
we are uniting ourselves with God. We are growing in that union and that communion with God. When we are generous with others, we are uniting and offering that generosity and that charity and that love mm -hmm. and that respect for them, whatever the case might be, with others. And it's also helping us grow heart and mind, right? It's also helping us connect the fullness of our being and bring mm -hmm. that community. So it's always um, pouring forth. It's also a virtue that uh, unifies and unifies ourselves with God and unifies ourselves with others. Yeah, and generosity to others. And we don't know necessarily how this works spiritually, but it, yeah. Christ promises us that it does. That right. what you did to the least of these, you did mm -hmm. to me. And that... that uh, I don't really want to call it a parable, but when Jesus was saying, you know, at the, at the final judgment, he will ask us what we did. Yeah. Um, you know, we loved you, Lord. We, we served you. Well, did you serve the poor? Did you serve those who are in prison? Did you clothe the naked? You know, well, well no. Well, then you didn't do it to yeah. me. You mm. really didn't love me. And, you know, to those who did, they said, when, when did we serve you, Lord? Yeah. When you served those who were poor, those who were needy, those who did not have, you were doing that to me. That service was to me. Yeah. Um, and so when we serve others, we are serving Christ in a mysterious way. Um, and how horrible would we feel if Christ came to us in disguise, someone asking for our yeah. charity, and we denied that to them? come to find out it was Christ himself and we turned away yeah. um, and justified that for whatever reason. Uh. Um, and then someday we found out, you know. Yeah. That, um, so we, we have to take that call to generosity seriously. I, I completely agree. And so, you know, we're talking about service and service towards others, but we would be doing a disservice if we didn't bring up the catechism of the Catholic Church. And so we know that in the catechism, generosity is brought up, um, I believe, 10 times. Um, it's mentioned. And of those 10 times, five of the 10, so half of them, are generosity with choosing life. Mm -hmm. And so how important is that? to be generous as a married couple with life mm -hmm. and choosing life and be it um, obviously natural procreation or um, adoption and mm -hmm. these sort of things, that is one of the ultimate signs of generosity. Mm -hmm. And I know that we both talked about it, both of us, um, me, me with uh, five kids running around and you uh, with four and one on the way, um, that we're doing our best to be generous, but it's not easy. And, you know, we're often at, um, at uh, deep prayer and often in need of counsel, you know, to, to, be, to, to maintain that generosity. But I can say with all of my kids that it's on a daily basis. I look for them and I'm grateful for the lives that God has given me. And I'm grateful for their presence in my life. Mm -hmm. Even the fact that I don't get to do what I want to do right. a lot of the times because they're there. But I think it's, and it's also important to know that you know, the church is not ever prescribing or directing that every single family that's capable of having children needs to have 10 or 12 or 13 or 14 kids, right? right? Um, but you are called to generosity. You are called to discernment with God and with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just one more child, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. so. 
Yeah, and you know, serving those in your home yeah. is where generosity starts. That's right. Um, you know, Mother Teresa, she talked about kind of the affluent West, and yeah. she talks about, yes, we do see homeless people here and there occasionally, but not like in the slums of India, no. you know, where um, so often, you know, uh, like in Calcutta, where there's just miles and miles mm. of cardboard shacks that people are living in. Um, and so she said, well, the way you can love people in the West is to answer that hunger for love. Yeah. And often that starts in your own home. She said, well, you, want to, you want to help the world? She said, go home and love your family. Yeah. Um, and that's an act of generosity, um, the sacrifice of your time and attention to those that God has placed under your care is an, an act of generosity can often be very demanding. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so we can't just calculate generosity based on a dollar amount they were giving, that's though right. that's important. Agreed. Um, it can often be found in, in the love of those uh, within our own home. Yeah, so Sam and I call all Catholic gentlemen to that beginning or deepening of generosity is start at home. Yep. Start with those closest to you. Right. Start with your wife and your children mm -hmm. and make it an intentional, direct act of giving of your time or giving of um, your um, presence and attention. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. Yep. It's like concentric circles. You know, the bullseye yeah. on the target is, is your home. Yeah. And then everything else that overflows from that uh, is what we're called to. That's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're going to end today's episode with our nightcap, as usual. Uh, and that is um, going to be today uh, AdoptKit. If you haven't heard of this, yeah. this is AdoptKit right here. Um, and it's basically just a travel bag for your grooming things. I've got all kinds of things in here, which I won't take out and show you. Um, but they're essentially a great way to keep a handle on all of your things. It's much better than a Ziploc bag. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And there's something really masculine about a leather uh, dop kit or travel mm -hmm. bag, as mm -hmm. I ignorantly was walking around calling them. I have a leather one as well, which I didn't bring here, um, but uh, there really is. It's a great way. You're, you know it's going to last you know it's not going to disappear. You're yeah. not going to have to, like a nylon one or so that's going to get ripped or the right. zipper's going to break real quick. You know, so, you know, investing in one of those can add a, a degree of masculinity and a degree of, um, I'd say, joy and appreciation towards uh, uh, something nice. Yep, so. yep. This is waxed canvas and leather, and it's gone thousands of miles with me, and yeah. I really appreciate it. So yeah. if you don't have one, get one. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. So thank you for being here, and as we always remind ourselves and our viewers, be a man, be, be a, a saint. saint.